Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host, Shane Lee. Today on the show, Mike Goldman, an Australian television presenter, voiceover artist, radio host and actor. Best known for hosting and the voice of Big Brother in Australia. He's also appeared in a number of television miniseries and the movie Goddess in 2013. He has his own podcast, On the Mic. He's also a very talented guitarist. And Noel Allnut, a businessman and CEO of Solista, an award-winning cloud and security transformation consultancy headquartered in Sydney. Solista specialises in creating secure and sustainable digital economy. Away from work, Noel is a talented cricketer, a fan of cricket, and he's also a big supporter of Newcastle United in the English Premier League. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host, Shane Lee. Today on the show, Mike Goldman, an Australian television presenter. Um, he's also a very talented guitarist. Welcome, Mikey. Oh, very talented guitarist. I don't know about that. I'm a bit of a hack. Hello, great to be on the show, finally. Where's, where's the food? It's Lunch with Lee. Did you send Deliveroo to my house or something? It's on its way, mate. Dude, I have seen some of the food that you're serving up on your Instagram. Yeah. What is the go? Like, I'm expecting to have this stuff arrive at my door at any given moment. Well, I guarantee you once we're out of this bloody lockdown, mate, we'll be having a nice lunch, so uh, don't worry about that. Can, can I choose the place? Because I notice you go to Beppy's a lot. That yes, seems you to can. be a good good hangout for you. That's and, a really and cool checking one. on your on your last Instagram post, um, I maybe even just come over to your place for some porchetta with Italian herbs and lemon served with roast duck fat potatoes, peas and Brussels sprouts with bacon and parmesan. <laughs> That's very nice, mate. Also on the show today, Noel Allnut, uh, Australian businessman and CEO of Solista. Welcome, Noel. Thanks very much, Shane. Great to be on the show. Uh, good to have the invite. And likewise, looking forward to when we uh, can catch up and have that long lunch. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to uh, looking forward to the conversation today. Well, very good. So, boys, I thought um, a little bit of a play on words here, but Mikey, obviously you hosted Big Brother, which was a television show, a very successful one here in Australia. And Noel's involved in the whole cyber security side of things. Oh. So just with a lot of the stuff that's going on currently with COVID, and I seem to be checking in everywhere I go, as you have to do. Um, I also seem to get a number of solicited, unsolicited calls at the moment. So I might start with you, Mikey. Um, firstly, what, what was it like um, being involved with Big Brother for all those years? And you must have seen some weird things. Oh, man. <laughs> give me a year. I'll give you weirdness. That, seriously, from episode one in 2001, when we had no idea how Australia was going to react to the show, to you know, modern day Big Brother in some of the other countries that where they're trying out this new technology mm. where people people who are watching the show can actually edit their own episode <laughs> with all of oh, the wow. footage and you know just a voice activated stuff where people could you know the, the, the cameras um, are basically recording everything that people are saying and writing down every word so a producer can go and type in uh, Susie talks about shopping and a list of all the recordings of her talking about shopping comes up if that's oh, wow. what they got at a TV show, I hate to think what the governments of the world or secret organisations have. But uh, it's been it's been a, a great run. Not working on the show anymore, so this is a great opportunity for me to uh, say I am available. If anyone <laughs> likes to hire me, I am an MC, voiceover artist. Uh, yeah, that's about it, really, mate. Well, in cricket terms, you're a genuine all rounder, mate. You're uh, you, you've done everything. I'll ask you about a few of those things, but I, I want to ask Noel just quickly, Noel, like. Um, the TV show, Big Brother, born out of, I suppose, voyeurism and, and watching people, you're involved from a business sense now, um, protecting people's, I suppose, online security. 
Talk us through what's happening, mate, just in layman's terms right now. Well, as you can see from kind of looking on the news, you only need to um, look on the front page of the SMH or the front page of the AFR and somewhere on there there's cyber crime or kind of cyber hack that's happened. And whether and I guess nobody is uh, nobody's free from it, right? So whether you're a sporting organisation, um, you've seen some things happen in the Premier League recently, whether you're a government agency or whether you're just uh, – Joe blogs on the street, right? You've uh, everybody's leaves a digital footprint. Everybody's leaving their their digital DNA and their data everywhere, and that's a value to some people. So, um, it's a bit of a kind of a arms race at the moment around cyber security, and uh, we can't hide from it. So, we've just got to tackle it head on and and make sure that we educate society and businesses in the best way to tackle with the the challenge that we have in front of us and see how we can turn it into an opportunity. And Mike, you must have seen the entertainment industry in the last 20 years has gone through significant change. I, well, one of the big things is as a creator yourself, um, how do you protect the stuff you're putting out there that people can't keep reusing without paying for it? Well, that's the thing about being creative. You really have to keep your sources close to your chest. Mm. Yeah. Meaning it's not my ideas. It was a joke. Um, so, you know, I, I, um, I, I've noticed uh, definitely the uh, whole cybersecurity thing is uh, is such a big issue with, you know, TV productions and movies. Like they're, they're so secretive and they don't want anything to get out about what actors mm-hmm. are on the show, what celebrities are going to be on the show, because it, it can literally mean the difference if, you know, millions of viewers, which can be millions of dollars, if, uh, if, if they can keep those secrets. And, you know, what freaks me out about the whole hacking thing, um, you know, in the, in the entertainment industry alone, I mean, I'm not talking about the critical infrastructure kind of stuff like yep. food production or transport or supply chains, hospitals, whatever. But, like, just recently, uh, I think it's that, you know, in the last six to 12 months, Channel 9 got hacked. Mm. And, like, just from, you know, what I read in the paper was pretty bad, but from what I heard of the insiders and people who are actually working for Channel 9 and how it just it just completely stuffed their whole organization. And still to this day, they they are not using some of the systems because they're still broken. Like this wow. this hack got into the actual com- not just the computer systems, but the actual equipment that they couldn't use anymore. And I'd love to know the full story, like if there was a ransom or something mm. like that or Maybe it was Channel 7 or (laughs) (laughs) Kerry Stokes with all these billions just calling up some dude in Russia. Hey, mate, how much do you want to fuck shit up at Channel 9? Let's do it. (laughs) It's such a bizarre world to me. I I mean, you hear about ethical hackers, these people that go to businesses and say, listen, I just hacked your server. And, you know, is, is is that the kind of stuff that you do? Yeah, that's the type of stuff that we do. So, uh, Solista, we've got ethical hackers, penetration testers, etc. I beg who... your pardon. <laughs> <laughs> A penetration <Pen> testers. <laughs> uh, you know, the last time I did some penetration testing, they just said they wanted to be friends. <laughs> can you? Can that? Like, that's crazy. Like, do, do you actually, as an ethical hacker? I'm sorry, I'm asking a question because this stuff freaks me out. So, does that mean people just go around hacking and going, "Hey, by the way, your door's open." I could fix it. Yeah, not quite. That would be kind of penetration testing with benefits type thing. So that's uh, (laughs) basically um, 
no, organizations pay uh, for, for other businesses to go in and do this. Um, and what we're looking to do is basically find out vulnerabilities. So looking out the, the lens of if you're being real uh, hacked in real time by somebody who either was looking to slow down your business, bring your business to a halt or get some ransomware from the data that they would steal. Um, we find those holes um, and then basically report back on how you remediate those vulnerabilities in order to uh, prevent the, a real hack being happened. So it's a huge market. It's, it's going off uh, being on the on the other side of the fence as well. Um, the challenge you've got is, I mean, cybercrime is now a $1 trillion market. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah. And the chance of catching a cyber criminal is almost nil. It's at 0.05%. Yeah. So, because you've got all these countries that are, you know, well, rumored to be supporting it. You got places like North Korea, China, Africa, Russia, mm-hmm. Mount Druitt, and <laughs> all, all these places where you just get away with crime. Hey, but Noel, are you seeing? Are you seeing? Is, is government starting to share with private companies now? Because I was just thinking the other day. So, when the pubs open back up, you go down and you check in to say the stain and manly under COVID um, compliance. Um, you use your phone to Apple Pay to buy you know, a number of drinks. You then jump in your car to go home. It, it, your phone's picked up by the car or Waze, so they know exactly where you are. They can see what speed you're going, if you're going over the speed limit, all these sort of things and tolls where exactly where you are. Is it getting to a point where they're going to start sharing and potentially have a, I don't know, a, a, a responsibility to dob you in if you're doing the wrong thing? Yeah, I mean, look, there's, the answer is will that happen? Potentially, Yes. Um, there'll be a lot more uh, pressure being put by government organisations onto private organisations to share that data. Right. And that's where the fine print really comes into that tick box, you know, the, the double click that you have on your mm. your iPhone to install the app. I, I don't know if you're like me, but I don't read a huge amount of the small print and, I, and I'm in, <laughs> in cyber as well. But it's, uh, um, that, that will happen. But then also then it comes down to, to the legal aspect of it, right, and the Privacy Act. So Australia went through somewhat of a a big change um a few years ago when the privacy act came out and at that point in time where if data was was stolen you had to tell the privacy commissioner that this data was stolen so now you know if you had a um a a target account for example the the target got hacked and a lot of their um users data was was infiltrated onto the onto the the dark web people need to know about that so um, up until a certain point it was um, it was really up to the organization's discretion to see if that had happened but mm. that's going to really extend out across there and also across the now we've got so many connected devices like you say you can really track somebody's digital footprint to the yep. point of their physical footprint like you say if they've been to the pub and then checked in come out checked into the kebab shop check <laughs> yeah. then, uh, then then checked in then starting to get some directions uh, to go to their next venue then you know where they've been how much money they've spent and, and whether they've had too many beers to be in the car so yeah that that day that day will be used um, and can be used well and and, and 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 voice is a big thing now um i noticed even when you ring the bank up they they verify you via voice as a voiceover artist, Mike, I know you've got a number of voices in your head, but um, is, is that something that concerns you personally? Oh, man, I, I seriously think my uh, my career is going to be very short-lived from now. Have you heard some of the um, the uh, AI that, that recreates voices? Like, um, yeah. I don't know if you've seen the Anthony Bourdain documentary, but a part of that documentary is AI of his voice. It sounds exactly like him. Like you, can, wow. you can hardly even tell, so... 
I mean, you know, I might be doing ads for, you know, different brands or, you know, voicing a reality show or a documentary. And it's, it's at the moment you can put in a script online and I can tell because it's got no emotion or anything like that sure. in it. But yep. it's not long until they just go, you know, do your voice and then boom, you can listen to it back saying whatever, which basically means my business is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got to start figuring out how to hack computers or something like that. <laughs> uh, I mean. A penetration consultant. <laughs> hello. Uh, it's pretty scary what, what, uh, what, they, what they could do. I remember um, when I was a kid, my, one of my favorite movies was um, War Games with Matthew Broderick. I don't know if you guys remember it. But yes, I do. It's, yes. It's basically, uh, you know, someone had hacked into this computer and it was, you know, got the nuclear codes and then all of a sudden the whole world was going to blow up and Matthew Broderick had to save them. Oh, there's George on his motorbike. Hey, Georgie. Um, I just, just saw him. I'm, I'm tracking him on my phone. And, um, but that was an awesome movie. That, that's where, uh, you know, people started to realise, like, hang on a minute, these little computers are connected everywhere and, you know, what, what can they can they get into and 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 like obviously i reckon that's the biggest worry for the planet like what if someone hacks into say north korea and can yep. push a button and fire <laughs> up a nuke i mean that's gonna change the fate of the world isn't it yeah it's scary there's a cartoon at the moment called futurama and um one of the scenes on there with something was going wrong and i said what happened to you he said my ancestors uh double clicked the apple terms and conditions <laughs> it was all downhill from there <laughs> <laughs> I'll just take a little break now and uh, have something to eat. Today, um, once again in lockdown, I'm cooking. I'm going to do a nice little French dish, tarragon chicken, uh, served with some button mushrooms, some potato and some little Dutch carrots. I think that'll be fantastic. And they'll go beautifully well with uh, O'Brien's Pale Ale. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. So, 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 Michael, were you always destined to be in show business? Your, your dad, Grant, who um, I'm sorry to say, mate, he passed away last year. So, sorry to hear that, mate. But he he, he was in the same show business as you. Your, your mum was a presenter as well. Was it always going to be in your blood? Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I mean, my uh, yeah, dad hosted the first color TV show in Australian yeah. history. It was Countdown back in 1976, I think it was, okay. or 74. Yeah, around then. Yep. And, uh, and, you know, then went on to, you know, host Breakfast Radio in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide, Perth, and and consequently got fired from most radio stations like myself. <laughs> and, but <he's> the <laughs> one he worked at for the longest was um, 2SM. He was like there for, you know, 25 years or something wow. like that okay. and had a, had, a, had a great run working for Bill Corrales on the Super Radio Network. But mum was, yeah, she was a weather girl at uh, Channel O. In Brisbane okay. and and Channel Seven down in Melbourne, I remember when I I watched her on the TV because back then they used to draw the weather on big pieces of cardboard. 
And <laughs> all I'd be thinking was, oh, man, I hope she brings that big piece of cardboard home. So I'm going to draw on that too and <laughs> nice. use it for art. It's the only thing I get excited about. But, um, you know, growing up around those two and, and them giving me the, uh, the freedom to be able to, you know, focus on, you know, acting lessons and, you know, being a mobile DJ. And, mm. you know, I was, did my first voiceover at age 12. I was the first voiceover artist, kid voiceover artist at RMK in Sydney, which yeah. is probably uh, one of the uh, better voiceover agencies. Not better than Scout, which is my new agency. I should say that. <laughs> of course not. Of course um, not. But, uh, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a lot of fun growing up with those two, that's for sure. And and what um, what, what do you prefer doing? Uh, is it acting? Is it hosting? What what? What's your bedroom gig, I suppose? Lying by, lying by the pool, going surfing. <laughs> I mean, you're all in lockdown at the moment. And I'm getting really good at FIFA and uh, <laughs> at NBA 2021. That's pretty good. Um, what, what do I love doing? Um, I mean, acting is obviously a passion, but, you know, you've got to be one of the one of the most highest paid actors to be able to actually make a living sure. out of it. It's pretty it's a pretty tough world. And, I, I mean, it's nice that I, I've had so much experience with the acting, like, a, you know, one of the biggest – science fiction movies in the world at the moment you can buy on Google and Apple is called Monsters of Man and I got a little role in that that I shot in New York which is worth watching if you get a chance quick cheeky plug mate I was watching I was watching one Mikey um doing my research for this show and you were I can't remember what the movie was called but you were you're convincing some guy to put a bit of cardboard up his penis what was that what was that show oh yeah 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 that was um Ruse Corp R-U-S-E-C-O-R-P it's a that was a, a short film shot in Sydney in about, God, it was like 2001, 2002. Yep. It was a long time ago. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I actually have a uh, short film festival at Sanctuary Cove on the Gold Coast. We go for about seven years. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, you know, we've helped filmmakers get their, their films, you know, distributed through, you know, Netflix and Amazon Prime and Apple and, you know, help people get deals and play, get their movies played for the first time in, you know, cinemas all over the world with distribution deals and stuff like that, which has been so much fun. And the w- reason why I started the film festival, which um, which is – probably a, a bit weird. Uh, I made a feature <laughs> film called Shooting Goldman. Yep. These um, these young filmmakers approached me uh, back at about 2007 when I was uh, working on Big Brother and said, you know, we won all these awards for, for screenplays that we've mm-hmm. written and lots of short film awards like Tropfest and whatever, but we can't get uh, any features made because we never made one. So they wanted to get me, someone who could act, that was also, you know, a, a semi-celebrity that people would yep. know. And film like a reality TV show around it that turns out to be scripted drama. So it basically starts out following me around everywhere, just, you know, voiceover studios and TV studios hosting stuff. And then I start kidnapping people and, and kill, <laughs> consequently kill my agent, which I'm sure a lot of other talent out there would like to do eventually. But that's, you can watch that for free on Vimeo Shooting Goldman. And so I, I, I entered it in film festivals all over the world and I only got in one or two. Um, cool. which was kind of cool still to get accepted. But in Australia, no film festival except me. They, they, I don't think they watched past the first 15 minutes of, of my movie because they thought, oh, it's just Goldman filming himself doing voiceovers and shit. But they didn't get to the end where I actually start murdering people. Um, and so I started my own film festival because a mate of mine, Matt Hollywood, who uh, is a magician, he's got his own theatre on the Gold Coast, been going for about, God, 15 years now. He said, why don't you just use the cinema here and, Run your own film festival. So we did. And it's been going for seven years. That's a huge success too. Hey, no, I'll just ask you something quickly. Um, back to the the cyber stuff. But what, what's the difference between um, privacy and private? 
Yes, I mean it's it's kind of that you've got the your privacy, which is basically where you um, where you leave your data and the and who can see that data, right? So, mm-hmm. um, do you want do you want everyone to know where you're scrolling? Um, do you know do you want to leave that digital footprint where play, people can can use it? For example, all the cookies, uh, etc., on the on the browser, uh-huh. so organisations can then um, then essentially sell back to you in real time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen it where you have a conversation yep. around the dinner table and then all of a sudden the uh, the thing that you were talking about pops up on your Facebook. Um, yeah. So that's really around your kind of digital privacy. And then it's just around then a lot of people get that mixed up with being private, right? So mm-hmm. even if you don't have a Instagram or Facebook account um, or you don't have um, <clears throat> other kind of areas where you're sharing your life uh, on a digital platform, um, you can still... Uh, you're still responsible for where that data is actively uh, assessed or passively assessed. And I think that's one of the challenges that you've got in society at the moment is so much of our data is actually taken from us without us knowing. Yeah. Um, yep. And that's that's becoming a, a big issue and a kind of big moral issue in society. Yeah, because I know in the UK at the moment they, um, they're offering people, uh, let us put a tracker on your car and the insurance company will give you a better deal. So it comes down to whether you're um, – you think, bugger it, I'm prepared to give up all my data to get a better deal. Where, where, where does the line sort of stand? Yeah, well, it's interesting, right? Because there's really two ways that you can um, make people do things, and it's either to inspire them or to manipulate them. Mm-hmm. And the data is a really good way of manipulating people to act in a certain way that you want. Just like Mike said there around the, the Big Brother, there's a lot of really interesting comparisons around essentially surveillance of mm. human beings. Um, on a Big Brother aspect, they're bringing in different parts of the show. Or they might be taken to see Big Brother depending on how their behavior is. And yep. Big Brother's then start to kind of manipulate their behavior through getting them to do a new task in order to be better viewing on television, right? It's no different to us in, in society, right? Whether you want to uh, kind of have your phone attached to your insurance company so you have real-time insurance premiums, what that's still doing is getting you to uh, be a safer driver so your insurance premiums are less or whether it's um, a fashion store uh, marketing to you in real-time because you've been talking around getting a new shirt to go out for lunch, is it still nah. looking to inject you at the right time to essentially break a pattern and manipulate your buying behavior. So mm. it's really interesting to see what we're being exposed to because of the data that's been brought in and, and how that's used. Hang on. Hang on a minute. <laughs> hang on. Is this – are you Marcus Bentley? Are you the voice of Big Brother UK? No, I'm not actually. <laughs> I'm not. You I know, do get, I do get that quite a lot in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Marcus Bentley, he's he's got an accent like yours, which I'm, I suspect is Geordie. Yeah, and, he's a Geordie as well, he, yeah. Can, can you please say, just for me, can you please say day 65 in the Big Brother house? Day 65 in the Big Brother house. Yes, that's it. There you go. <laughs> Close your eyes, you could be back in England watching Big Brother. I used to get that all the time, actually, when I was at uni and uh, when I first got to Australia. So it's, uh, it's not the first time I've heard it that I sound like that bloke. Hey, guys, we'll be back after this quick break. If you're enjoying this episode, with the final round of the NRL coming up, why don't you check out a previous episode where I spoke to footy legend, New South Wales and Roosters man, Freddie Fittler and Brad Haddon, cricketer, where we spoke about all things footy and cricket. 
Hey, Mike, post, post, post World War Two, there was a there was a baby boom. What what are we going to see creatively? Are we going to see a creative boom um, post this all this lockdown? I mean, I reckon people are going to be popping out babies, and especially with the technology <laughs> we have. There'll be another baby boom. I mean, uh, I know I've seriously got about ten friends who are popping out kids right now, and I'm I'm doing IVF as well because uh, you know we've been trying for a while. I went and got probably giving you TMI right now. Uh, right. I went and got I went and got tested, and, and then they said, "Oh, you, your swimmers are really low. You don't so you need to uh, you know stay off the piss and do some exercise, and yeah. and, and you've got to have sex too." What? Yes. Uh, so um, you know, so we're doing IVF where they, they they actually extract the good swimmers and put it in the egg. All that you know how it works, mate. I actually went I actually went through that, buddy, and I I think I deposited about two minutes. So the the chick was quite impressed. I think uh, <laughs> it's funny because I, I I went to the fertility clinic and uh, and they they send you to this room and that's where yeah, you've do. got to you know yeah. deliver and and there's there's a VHS. I haven't seen a VHS recorder ever, like since I was a kid. And they got all these videos, like you yeah. imagine pornos. Yep. A VHS, like yep. not even just like I could just look on my phone and get yeah, better high res. Yep. And anyway, so you know, I did my thing and I said thank you, see you later, weird experience. And then I went back the next day, and the lady said, "Mr. Goldman, what, what, why are you here again? You." We already did what you needed to do yesterday. I said, I'm just here to see the rest of the movie. <laughs> well, I tell you, what, at least with VHS, there's no digital footprint what you watched in there, mate. So it's probably a good thing. <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon there'll be a baby boom for sure. And I, but I also agree with what you're saying about a creative boom because yep. because pe- people have got so much more time on their hands and they're they're sitting there in a house thinking, okay, when they pass the point of boredom, they think I'm going to do something constructive with my time. I can't earn any money. The government's paying me money. So uh, I'm going to paint, I'm going to draw, I'm going to, you know, maybe write some poem. I'm going to learn the guitar. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that, that, that people are doing. And it's great for their mental health that they are doing that as well because it can really stress people out being in, in lockdown. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there could be a creative boom for sure. I think so. Hey, Noel, um, uh, the English Premier League's kicked off. How will Newcastle go this year? I think we'll go the same way that we go most years, absolutely terribly. Uh, so um, it's uh, I'm still getting up at uh, either staying up or getting up into the early hours of the uh, morning to watch um, some decidedly average football. Uh, but <laughs> now, look, it's is being a Geordie, you naturally have hope going into every season, and by about the first of September, which was yesterday, all that hope has vanished. So I expect basically just to uh, just be. <clears throat> just be riding out the next eight months and, and hoping that we don't get relegated. But who knows? We end up having a, a good run near the end of the season, which essentially masquerades the previous 30 games. So hopefully we'll uh, hopefully we'll still stay up and uh, get a bit more investment into the club going into next year. But uh, I'm not holding out much hope, that's for sure. No, you, you actually alluded to this at the start of the podcast, but um, they're doing a lot of hacking in and around sporting clubs and, and um, associations at the moment, and, and they're doing that with like stopping the turnstiles at some sporting events, um, right through to um, stuffing up a whole transfer of a player from club to club. Yeah, it's a crazy time, and um, I guess the, the, the risk out there is uh, – 
is huge, right? But at the same time, like everything, it's 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 manageable, and yep. um, it, just because it can happen doesn't mean that it does. All right. But imagine this, and I'll I'll, I'll work with cricket because I know it's close to your heart, mm. and. Assume it's Boxing Day test. This is this reality could happen, right? Boxing Day test. Everyone's out of lockdown. Everyone's on the tins early. Can't wait to get down to the MCG, mm-hmm. which is going to be a painful Ashes series as well. I think you guys are looking pretty strong. <laughs> um, and um, and Pat Cummins is running up for the first uh, for the first uh, first ball of the uh, the Boxing Day test. And then all of a sudden, in the corporate boxes, all the fridges go offline. So the mm. Beer starts warming up. You're going to have a few pretty uh, knocked people. And then the beer taps come offline um, in the uh, in the rest of the stadium. Um, and then all the air conditioning uh, comes offline as well. And then the turnstiles lock and nobody can get out. And then the water gas, the water mains get uh, get turned off as well. All of a sudden, you've got nearly 100,000 people stuck in the MCG, uh, sweating and without beer. That's when... Chaos. This type of thing can yeah. start getting worrying and chaos, you know. Like it's well publicised that uh, that Russia managed to take off all of the uh, oil, gas, and energy inside Ukraine a few boxing yes. days ago, mm. and just called bed- bedlam. So, yeah, I mean that's the thing. Large sporting events are, are great targets for causing chaos, whether it causes physical harm or not. The fear is the fear is real, right? Don't yeah. get me wrong; I'll still be trying to get the Boxing Day test, and I've got tickets for the first day of the SCG, <laughs> where it'll probably be all over by then. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, the hackers leave no stone unturned, right? We just need to be mindful of that. Yeah, go. Hey, now, Mikey, what are you working on at the moment? Uh, me, I'm uh, working on a. Uh, it's a six-part series. Uh, it's, okay. it's one of those crime thriller kind of things. Cool. Uh, yeah, just working on the script at the moment and then pitching it out. But you know me, I've always got a million things on the go. Got the film festival coming up. I've got two other documentaries I'm making. Uh, one of the documentaries is about Jeff McCoy, who okay. I don't know if you, you've ever heard of McCoy Surfboards. Yep. Um, so from Byron Bay. So doing a doco about him, he's about 77 now. He's been training world champion surfers since the 70s and making surfboards in Byron Bay since then. And, uh, and also another documentary um, called Watch House, and it's about the work that in, uh, Indigenous group called Murray Watch do around the uh, the prisons in Queensland. Very good, mate. So go to uh, Mike Goldman Live. Social media, Mike Goldman Live, but the uh, the website's onthemike.com. Onthemike.com. There you go, mate. Um, so I ask every guest the same question. I'll ask you first, Mikey. Um, if you're a young, talented entertainer um, or you want to be a TV host coming through, what advice would you give them? Um, stay in school and get a degree and be a doctor if, if you or a lawyer. If, if you want stability and you, you you don't want to, you know, second guess what you should be doing, do something like that. But if you're a, an artist in the true sense of the word and you love creating and you know deep down that it's your passion and that you're born to be on stage and entertain people, then study your craft as much as you can, whether it's to be an actor you should do it every day. You, if, yep. you, if you want to be just a voiceover artist, focus on it. Go and do courses with other voiceover people. Well, I mean, like my voiceover course. Or, yep. you know, if you are TV, want to be a TV host, then make sure you surround yourself with anyone who wants to do that or is already doing that. So you learn how they operate, how they, how they shake hands, how they speak to people, how yep. they promote themselves. Because, you know, in the entertainment industry, whether you're an active voiceover artist or TV host, whatever you might do, you, it's a constant hustle. And unless, of course, you just strike it big and you're at the top of your game, and mm. you know, you, and you're the big name. But I mean, even 
if you're a massive name, like I was, you know, reading some of Matthew McConaughey's book and he didn't work for a couple of years and that's we decided to write a book and, you know, you never know when you're, you, you've just done your last gig. So yeah. you, you've got to always be putting yourself out there. No, good advice. And Noel, if you're a, a young boy or girl coming through and you want to you save the world or save the MCG test match in the future, what advice would you give them? Um, well, if you want to save, save the world, that's going to be a tough ask at the minute. But um, <laughs> the advice I would be given basically is just work hard, be curious, throw yourself into things. Um, it's okay to fail and as long as you learn from it. Um, hard work outweighs skill every time. And I mean, my background, I did a, I did a sports science degree um, and then got into uh, uh, telephone sales and then started selling telecoms and then got into recruitment and then nine years ago started a tech business and, and learned that craft from the ground up. And things change so quickly, you don't have to be a scholar of so many years in order to be mm. successful. You just have mm. to work hard and find your niche and, uh, and be famous for something. So that would be my advice. Yeah. Crack on with it. Yeah, well, it's, it's, a, it's a common theme amongst all the guests. Hard work seems to always appear. But um, I want to thank you both for coming on the, on the show. And um, Noel, I'll catch up with you soon. I know you're based in Sydney. And Mikey, once we're out of lockdown, we need to have another jam on the guitar, mate. Oh, absolutely, my friend. Yeah, we'll have to fun. catch up with uh, our mutual friend, Delan Michelle, and yeah. who, who who like to uh, jam and have a few drinkies. Uh, hopefully, good. hopefully at one of those tasty restaurants that I keep seeing on your IG. Mate, you're a star. All right, thanks, boys. Thanks for coming on the show. No problem. Cheers, guys. That's it for Lunch With Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Mike Goldman and Noel Allnut. Thanks to our sponsors, X-Blades and O'Brien Beer. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from and do us a favour, hit five stars and if you're passionate, leave a review. Also, come check us out in our socials. I'm at Lunch With Lee on Instagram. Our official Lunch With Lee photography was done by Felicity Kelly, who you can find on Instagram, Felicity Kelly Portraits. And thanks to our producer, Dan McHugh. We'll be back next week with some more complete legends talking sport, music and business on another Cracker episode of Lunch with Lee. We'll see you then.